Good morning. Welcome to everyone. My name is Nayaswami Ananta. This is Nayaswami Maria. And we're honored to be here. We have uh, our guests from the Expanding Light. We have guests from uh, Japan visiting us. Konnichiwa. <laughs> Namaste. <laughs> and we have people from around the world joining us on the internet. So we're very glad that you've come today to add to the vibration of the service. And in that way, we help each other to go deeper into the joy of God. I'd like to read today's reading. Who are true Christians? Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. Jesus Christ said in chapter 10 of the Gospel of St. John, All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. Many Christians, not surprisingly, quote this saying in condemnation of other spiritual teachers, not only the Old Testament prophets, but also Buddha, Krishna, and others who lived before Jesus, as well, by inference, any who came after him. Yet Jesus himself said in St. Matthew chapter 5, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Nowhere do we find Jesus condemning or even gently criticizing other spiritual masters. His criticisms were reserved for worldly attitudes and for those hypocritical Pharisees who had allowed religion to become, for them, a pretense. Paramahansa Yogananda explained that the expression all that ever came before me referred to those spiritual teachers who placed their egos and their self-importance ahead of the Christ consciousness in the sense of drawing people's devotion to themselves and not offering it where alone it truly belongs to God. Yogananda himself was very firm in this regard. For example, he never spoke of anyone as his disciple. Instead, he always insisted, they are God's disciples. God is the guru, not I. Ego is a way station on the soul's journey toward enlightenment. The soul is first trapped in lower bodily forms. Slowly, it evolves to the human level, at which point self-consciousness appears. Only in human form can self-consciousness transcend material form altogether, including the lower identity of ego-consciousness, and discover the true divine self within. Self-consciousness manifested as ego is an incentive to deliberate self-development. Later in this process of development, however, the ego becomes an obstruction, Inevitably, new spiritual aspirants do not emerge effortlessly from the vortex of ego consciousness. Desire must be offered up resolutely and ever more wholeheartedly on the altar of infinity. It is a gradual process, and few, even among those who seek to help others, are free of ego. If, however, their motive in teaching is not to serve, but to be served, They deserve a severe reprimand as Jesus gave them. 
for their direction of development is no longer upward, but downward. In the name of giving up desires, they are creating new ones. As it says in the Bhagavad Gita, in the third chapter, desire obscures even the wisdom of the wise. Their relentless foe it is, a flame never quenched. Intellect, mind, and senses, these combined are referred to as the seat of desire. Desire through them deludes and eclipses the discrimination of the embodied soul. O Arjuna, discipline your senses, and having done so, work to destroy desire, annihilator of wisdom and of self-realization. Give God the credit for everything you do. See him as the true doer. Thus, through holy scriptures, God has spoken to mankind. I'd like to read from Yogananda's Whispers from Eternity. And this is entitled, Prayer Demand. Make me anything, a Christian or a Hindu, anything to realize thee. Let me be Christian, Jew, Hindu, Buddhist, Mohammedan, or Sufi, I care not what be my religion, race, creed, or color, if only I can win my way to thee. But let me be none of these, if that identity enmeshes me in an enclosing net of religion, religious or social formalities. Let me travel the royal high road of realization which leads to thee. If I am traveling on some bypath of religion, lead me on to the one common highway of realization which leads straight to thee. Send me the sunshine of thy wisdom that it lead me to the morning of my growing powers and send me the moon of thy mercy to guide me rightly if ever I am lost in the dark night of sorrow. So welcome to all of you as well. Uh, A beautiful reading from Whispers this morning. Yogananda makes it so simple. You wonder how there can be such a fuss in the world about these things, but there is. And uh, Yogananda said uh, something I read recently that really made me uh, chuckle. And I think I'll just start here. He said, I am so glad that Christianity wasn't given the name Jesusism. Because Christianity has a much broader meaning. And he went on to explain 
that Jesus, uh, a God-realized being, certainly, but is a human incarnation and was one human incarnation. And at the essence of Christianity is Christ consciousness. And this is a possibility and a reality through every living being, not just one person. And, you know, when Yogananda founded his work here in America, he called the church at that time the Church of All Religions. And he didn't give it this name or refer to it in this way because he gathered up all the best parts of all the world religions and packaged them together and said, this is it. And he didn't give it that name because he wanted to just honor and celebrate the truth of all the great religions. But most especially, he gave it that name because the church of all religions is a reference to the temple within each one of us, wherein we realize through spiritual practice, through discipline, through dedication, through devotion, the Christ consciousness. And it's that state of consciousness that is the essence of all true paths to God, whatever they be, however they express outwardly, whatever forms of worship they employ. It's the Christ conscious state that all paths lead to because that state is true yoga. That state is union with God, whatever we call it. When... uh, Babaji, in the Autobiography of a Yogi, Paramhansa Yogananda explains this, and Babaji is of our lineage, and Yogananda's guru's guru's guru. And Babaji asked Sri Yukteswar to write commentary comparing the passages East and West, Bible and Gita. Now, someone also asked Yogananda, Why, if your church is the church of all religions, do you just read from and speak from the Bible and the Gita? And Yogananda answered, because Babaji told me to. Babaji commissioned Yukteswar to write this commentary, and he said, someday I will send a student to you who you will train and he will go to the West and carry the essence of these teachings. And so Yogananda came to America and was that one. His work, he defined it as original Christianity. He was speaking to the core, to the essence, to the Christ consciousness that is not only the goal, but the possibility the realized reality ultimately for each one of us. Yogananda wrote commentary on the Bible, um, quite comprehensive, uh, especially concerning Genesis, Revelation, and passages that are probably most familiar to most of us from the Gospels. And 
it was a daunting task. At the time, he wondered if he was really fully capable of doing that. He said when he first read the Bible, he couldn't understand any of it. He just got lost in all the begats. And it wasn't until he met his master, Swami Sri Yukteswar, that he was able to see the depth, the universality, the goal. And he wrote this commentary and he prayed intensely to Jesus Christ and even desperately, you know, yearning to do the right thing, say the right thing, explain it in a way that held to those truths and the universality of those truths. And Jesus appeared to him in vision. And a chalice was between them. And Jesus drank from that chalice and offered it to Yogananda. And he said, we drink from the same cup. And what he was saying was that Yogananda had that Christ-conscious state which was also expressing through the incarnation, the human body of Jesus Christ. So he was validating the work that Yogananda had been instructed to do and, and did in fact do. When Yogananda first came to this country, he was for many years on the East Coast in Boston. And he said there that he had a number of visions and direct experiences with Jesus. And on this one occasion, he was fed up with the work and all the time that it was taking him to get the word out, to get the teachings out. He was fed up because for days he felt that he had distanced himself from Divine Mother, that where, where was God? all of this business, all of this responsibility, all of this work. And he said, I'm done. I'm going to leave America. You ever felt like saying that? (laughs) I'm done with this project. Well, that's what he said. And a voice said, no, you're not. (laughs) You can't do that. (laughs) And Yogananda, you know, he said many times he would just feel that resistance coming up in him because he was so most of the time he was in deep communion with God and sometimes the project it would just get away from even him and he heard the voice you know with this response no you can't do that and he said essentially show me then show me your presence and he said I want to behold the vision of Jesus and Krishna on a sea of gold with all their disciples. And then I'll believe. I'll believe that you're with me. I'll believe that you're here, that you're seeing me through this project. And just as Yogananda held that thought, that vision was reality before him. And he saw Jesus, he saw Krishna coming across the sea of gold with their disciples. And the thought occurred to him, maybe this is a hallucination. (laughs) Maybe it's not really happening. And then the voice spoke to him again. And 
actually, yeah, before that he said, if the person meditating with me has the same vision, then, then I will believe it. And just then the person sitting next to him, he didn't say who, um, said, I see Krishna, I see Jesus. And still Yogananda wondered. (laughs) And he thought, maybe this is just mental transference. Maybe I'm making him think that. And the voice then spoke to him and said, when I leave, there will be the fragrance of fresh lotus blossoms permeating the room. And the vision receded and there was that fragrance of lotus blooms. And Yogananda said, in fact, that for hours after that, as people came into the room uh, where he was to see him for whatever, they commented on the very wonderful fragrance in the room. In this reading uh, this morning that Ananta read, where it says in the Bible, Those that come before me are thieves and robbers. And thank goodness, Yogananda explains this so that we can understand it on a deeper level, not just hoarding, you know, the hordes raiding and confronting us and coming for battle and to take what they will. But he says that that thief, that robber, is the ego. And when we put ourselves in position, centering ourselves in the ego, it's not just the job or the role. It's not that straightforward and that simple because the ego we can possess, you know, let it rule anytime, anywhere. We are born into this incarnation with an ego. We come into this world from the astral plane with an ego, with karma. Yogananda says even in the first couple years, you can look at a child, you can look at a newborn, and for someone who has uh, those, that kind of inner vision, eyes to really see, they can just see the whole karma laid out, and they can see the personality determined by the age three or something. I mean, can you imagine? But it is so... I remember uh, uh, my kindergarten teacher, I found this little piece of paper years ago sorting through my mother's belongings. And she had written very neatly this little page of notes about me. (laughs) I looked at it and I was horrified. (laughs) I was just horrified. I mean, there was nothing wrong. They were talents and abilities and things like this. But, I mean, she just had it all there. What are you four years old or something. You know, such perception. We come in with this ego. We come in with a lot of things in place and for a reason. Because to the extent that we have karma, we have, we have things to do. We have things we need to be responsible for implementing, creating, and making happen. And our ego serves us well in that regard. If we didn't have one, we would be this little puddle on the floor and terrified to do anything. But we have this ego and we develop it and we develop self-consciousness and we get in tune with these inherent abilities that God has given us even though we don't know that that's necessarily where they've come from at that point. And we utilize that ego to do what needs to be done. 
But at a certain point, as it says in the readings, the ego gets in the way, becomes this huge looming obstacle right in front of us. And we cannot surmount it with a consciousness centered in the ego. We can't. We just can't do it. And it's at that point in our spiritual development that we have to relinquish the ego. We have to realize, I don't need this anymore. I don't want this anymore. I want God. In the vow that we take as Naya Swamis, there's a part in the vow where it says, I no longer exist as a separate entity. Now, this is very important. It's not very easy at all to get one's aura, one's consciousness around it. I no longer exist as a separate entity. What am I? Who am I? Am I nothing? Can I not do anything more in my life? It's, it's frightening to the ego. It's, it's at the least, very challenging <laughs> to understand. And yet, ultimately, whether you're a Naya Swami or not, this is where we are all going in whatever role or walk of life we are living in. This is where we are going because that's what Christ consciousness is. I am no longer a separate entity. If we're a separate entity, we can't approach, we can't merge with Christ consciousness. It's just that simple. We have to relinquish, we have to offer up this ego to the divine and then that door opens onto Christ consciousness. So how do we do that? And Yogananda, throughout his teachings, it seems to just always come back to that foundation element. God is the doer. When he was a young man, he would move all around India and in search of saints, in search of sadhus, and to hear spiritual truth and be inspired. And one time he went to this visit this sadhu, and he was gathered there with all his disciples. And he was speaking about spiritual teaching, but from a place and a consciousness where he thought himself, to be one with God. This was who he, th- he thought he was, God. And that's how he spoke, that's how he addressed his students, his disciples. And Yogananda just thought, to heck with this. This is not right. And he walked up to the man and he held in front of his face a mirror so he could see himself. And Yogananda said to him, holding this mirror, Is this God? And then Yogananda walked out of the room. And the man was stunned and embarrassed because Yogananda, this great master, had said this, had shown everybody what he really was in front of his own disciples. And he was shocked and stunned. But then in a moment, he realized the truth of it. He ran out after Yogananda, fell at his feet, and he said, Thank you. Thank you. You have saved me. 
from a very great delusion. This thought that we are an ego. You know, it's here to serve us up to a certain point and then we need to give that to God so that we can go back to God. Yogananda tells a wonderful story in the life of St. Francis and he was out with one of the brothers and they were begging for food which was how they received their sustenance or didn't. And they had both gone their separate ways. They were going to come back together and share their meal together. And Francis came back to the designated point and he had his little bits of food and they were old and they were stale, probably even rotten, certainly not fresh, just scraps, nothing a dog would even eat. But that was what Francis was used to. But Brother Matteo, one of the brothers, he came back and Matteo had this big basket and full of luscious fruits, fresh food, in abundance. And he was kind of proud of himself. Brother Matteo was very handsome, Yogananda said. And people responded to that you know, in his simple gown, but very handsome. People wanted to give him something special. But Francis wasn't a handsome man, Yogananda said. And people just gave him what they will. And Francis felt guided to, I guess, to show Matteo what was really important, not just this food. And he picked Brother Mateo up. He says, picked him up with his finger, lifted him way up in the air, removed his hand and let him fall, crashing (laughs) to the ground. Yogananda said, quoting Christ, he said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth from the mouth of God. I love that saying. He was talking about the Christ consciousness. That's what we're after. That's what we're here for. And if we can feel that God is the doer in everything we do, if we can feel that our talents, our abilities, our successes, our failures, all of these belong to God. All of these are of God. When Swami Kriyananda was a young man in his guru's organization, and Yogananda, uh, he told him to lecture and teach Swamiji didn't want to do that because he could see the potential to get stuck in the ego, caught in the ego. You know, whatever it is, lecturing, teaching, I mean, whatever it is, in disciples who are serious about the spiritual path, yeah, we're afraid of the ego. We know all about the ego. We've gotten stuck many times by the ego. And we have a little fear about being ensnared in that. Master asked uh, Swamiji Walters at that time to be in charge of the monks. And because no one had been and they were kind of scattered and there wasn't a clear focus. And again... Kriyananda was somewhat hesitant. And then he, he sat with it and he meditated on it. And he, he got it. 
And he said, okay, I will do this. And then speaking to the monks, I will do this, but I will be your servant. I will help you in any way I can to the best of my ability to be strong in your practice, to be strong in your spiritual life. And all I ask of you, not obedience, cooperation. Cooperate with me. Let us cooperate together towards this higher goal. But I am your servant. God is the doer. God is flowing through me. I'm here merely to help if I can and if God wants me to. Yogananda told a story um, about... uh, Actually, Dr. Lewis told a story about Yogananda. Yogananda had, on a number of occasions in his life, at least that we're told, uh, whether in India or in this country, had been in situations where someone was very ill or they even left their body. And in Yogananda's presence and through his intercession, they were brought back to life. And Dr. Lewis asked Yogananda once, why did you do this? Was it because their family asked you to? Was it to alleviate their suffering, their loss? Or did you do this because God asked you to do it? And he said, because God asked me to do it. And Dr. Lewis understood that it would not have happened, even though Yogananda would have had the power, would have had the ability, the attunement. But he didn't do anything without receiving from God that confirmation that this was the this was this is the appropriate action so that's a very helpful tool for us as we go through life as we journey on this spiritual path to always try to tune in we may not always get the clarity that we need in the moment but to at least ask to at least be open to that, that I want to live this life as an expression of Christ consciousness, which is to say an awareness of what is appropriately right at the appropriate time in spirit. Swami Kriyananda would oftentimes say the saints are the true custodians of religion. And this is why. This is why. Because to the best of their ability, they are trying to live in that depth of attunement and to live a life that is an expression of Christ consciousness. Not just the path they're on, not just the formalities of spiritual or religious practice, but that they're living their life as an expression of Christ consciousness. And so when we ask, who are the true Christians, we're not talking about religion. We're not talking about a belief system. We are talking about those who live the example that the saints offer before us, lay before us, 
of living in the Christ consciousness, the consciousness of Christ, that expanded state that knows no boundaries, no limitations, no borders, no countries, no colors, no creeds. Pure divine consciousness. That's our example and that's our opportunity.